Father, this morning as we come over your word, I pray that you will open our hearts and our minds to receive your word. Give us insight, give us understanding. Speak to us for we're listening. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So we're going to talk about how the gospel shapes our mission. Now when you think about mission, right? When you think of mission, and if you're a movie buff, uh, the first thing that comes to mind is Mission Impossible, right? That's probably the movie that made the word mission really famous, right? And it's basic, it's a simple concept, right? Where a man is on a mission to save the world. But if you actually think of the idea of mission, you see this in every story, you see this in every movie. Everything uh, is about a mission, right? If, if you look at all the movies that have come out, especially even children, movies about children, for children, right? You, you, or others, Lego movie, or Frozen, or How to Train the Dragon, right? Toy Story and Incredibles, all these movies, the basic premise is they are on a mission, either to save somebody, to save the world, to rescue somebody. Uh, you see the, this theme in every tale, every story, children's, uh, children's uh, tales and stuff, right? Sleeping Beauty, or Rapunzel, Treasure Island, Adventures of Tom Sawyer, Jungle Book, Around the World 80 Days, all this that they made us read when we were in CBSC and all that, right? <laughs> the basic premise is people are on a mission. Right? If you think about it, mission captures us. Mission fascinates us. Right? This idea of mission, going on mission, it draws us, it attracts us. Right? It, it moves us. Uh, when you ask children what do they, what do they want to do when they grow up, right? they, they'll probably say something like, I want to be the president or I want to be the prime minister. I want to be an astronaut. I want to change the world. I want to be a teacher. Right? Kids don't say, I want to sit at a desk and send emails. That's not what they say, right? Obviously, children, children are motivated by mission, right? And then we grow up, right? And somehow mission disappears from us, right? Uh, what happened to us as adults? Where is the sense of adventure? Where is the sense of risk or, or this joy, right? In the Christian context, in church, when we use the word mission, it is usually in the context of missionaries. And we've, uh, we've, India has been a recipient of great work by missionaries from various cultures. And these are people who come from other cultures to share the love of Jesus, but also uh, they build hospitals and they run schools and all these things. And sometimes in our minds, in our culture, we think mission is for missionaries, right? And uh, it, it is not me. It is, it is some select group of people that call, that God calls, and these are super Christians who come and obey God. It is for them, it is not for me. So we have all these ideas about being on mission. And sometimes we lose this idea. We understand the sense of mission. There is this, it captures us. We see this in culture. We see this in movies and poems and stories. There's something about it, but then there's something about us that we've lost the idea of mission. In Delhi, you, you, will, you, you will not miss this. In Delhi, there's all these diplomatic missions. Delhi has like almost 150 or 175 uh, embassies, right? These are all diplomatic missions. Ambassadors come and live in Delhi. And we have our own uh, Amrita Nasha who've lived in other countries as ambassadors for India, right? Uh, ambassadors are basically people who represent their country to another culture. Mission to help uh, understand about their culture, the people, to kind of represent accurately about uh, what their culture is and even to build bridges for trade and economy and all these things. 
we see them all around in Delhi. And the Bible calls in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 20, it says, we are ambassadors for Christ. Right? We, we are called to be on a mission, not some select group of people. All of us are called to be on mission. Right? We represent Christ. So this, this passage in John chapter 17 is, is about mission. Jesus is praying. It's called the high priestly prayer. Jesus is praying for his people, uh, disciples, and Jesus is praying for us in that passage. And we notice two things quickly, right? One is Jesus was on a mission. He was on a specific mission. Right? You see this in verse 4. Verse 4, it says, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you have you gave me to do. So Jesus came with a specific mission, with a specific purpose to glorify God, the Father, a specific mission to accomplish the work that you gave. And what is that work? To save and rescue people, to die on the cross for our sins so that we could become the children of God. So Jesus had a specific mission. But we also notice that Jesus sends us on a specific mission. Right? You see this in verse 18. Verse 18, Jesus says, as you sent me, and he's talking to the Father, he says, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Right? Jesus was sent to reveal the glory of the Father. We are sent to re reveal the glory of the Son in this world, the glory of Christ. The Holy Spirit was sent to reveal the glory of Christ. So in a sense, we and the Holy Spirit partner together to reveal Christ to this world, to glorify the Son, to reveal Jesus to this world. So this is the idea of mission, right? This is integral. This is integral to our faith. As we understand the gospel, the gospel internally renews our hearts, but it externally moves us to mission. When the gospel is working in our hearts, it is going to outwork from our hearts to being people on mission. If the gospel is active in our hearts, if we, oh, if we understand the gospel, if the gospel is working in our hearts and we sense the beauty and the, and, and the, the mystery of the gospel, and the gospel is making us repent and believe in again and again as a lifestyle, it's going to propel you to be on mission. That is the fuel for mission. So the flip side is lack of being on mission. If I don't understand being on mission, if I, if, I, if I don't have the sense of mission in life, the question is, is the gospel shaping me or is something else shaping me? Okay. So the question today is, why am I? What, what can stop this? Why am I not on mission? What, what, what can rob this joy? What, can, what, what comes in between me and being on mission for God? What could be those reasons? What could be those problems or issues that I'm having in my heart that actually stops me from being on mission with Jesus? Okay, so we're going to think through this. Right? We're going to think through this. I'm going to place three things before you. The first one, first one is the root of mission is glory. The basis of mission, the root of mission Right? is glory. And we're going to think about this. The word glory in this passage appears eight times in John chapter 17. Eight times. And it's an unusual number of uh, uh, occurrence in a single passage which basically points out to the theme of this passage. The theme of John 17 is, is glory. 
right? If you see this even in the passages we are looking at, verse 4, verses we are looking at, verse 4, it says, I glorified you on earth, verse 5, and now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world existed. Verse 10, all mine are yours and yours are mine. I am glorified in them. So we're going to think through this, right? Your mission is tied to what we glory. Your, your mission is tied to what we glory. What you glory, right? what you value, what you treasure determines your mission. Right? Why we live? Why, why, why do we, what do we live for? What, what are we ready to die for? Why do we work hard? Why am I getting married? Why am I living a single? Why am I dating? What, what about money? How I spend my money and time? How do I choose my... Everything, all these choices, all these decisions are based on what you glory in life. Okay. I want us to think about this. Right? Let's think about this. Let's say we choose dishonesty for money. Right? Let's say we are dishonest because of money right what we are saying in that moment is for us money being dishonest and for money money is more weightier more glorious for me i value and treasure money more than even god and being honest before him you're tracking right let's let's think about this right let's think about being immoral right either before marriage or after marriage and uh, living in sin and we feel like it's okay, right? At that moment, what we are saying is pleasure and how I feel at the moment is more important, more weightier than the holiness of God and, and my holiness. My, what I feel, what I need to experience much more important for me. Let's say we are ruthless in our work. Ruthless. We are after targets and we are after goals and we are after uh, bottom line and we are just ruthless with our co-workers or ruthless in our studies. Right? We don't want to share anything. We are just so focused that we don't care about anybody else. We don't want to help anybody else. What we are saying is success is more weightier for me. Success is more fundamental. It's more valuable for me than my witness for Christ. Okay. Now, if, if there is no God, nothing really matters. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're on mission, you're not on mission, if you're immoral, you're moral. It really, not, nothing really matters. Right? If, if there is no God, everything's going to be destroyed in the end, everything's going to be forgotten. It really doesn't matter. But if there is a God, but if there is a God, if you believe in God, nothing can be more weightier, nothing can be more valuable or treasured or prized than His glory. Nothing can be compared to So our problem with mission is a crisis of glory. What we glory? The lack of mission is a question of glory. What you glory, what you think is weightier, what you think is valuable, what you think is a treasure, drives your mission in life. And your mission, what you're about, reveals what you glory. You always tell, yes, I love Jesus. Jesus is important. All that is here. But you look at your life. You need to be able to understand what is it 
drives you? What is it? What mission? Everybody is on a mission. We are all on a mission. Right? Nobody is just, we are all on some mission. Right? Something drives us. So the question is, can anything be more glorious than God? Can anything be more glorious than Christ and what he did on the cross? And his beauty and his grace. Can anything be more glorious and precious and worth living for and dying for? Can anything be more glorious? The answer in our mind is yes. Our glory. Our glory. Right? We live for our glory. We live for ourselves. We prize ourselves. We treasure ourselves. Our needs and our comfort, our desires, our feelings and our pleasure, our fulfillment, our happiness, mine. This is more important than God. More important, more weightier, more valued. My attraction and your attraction to the world and yourself is far greater, far more powerful than my attraction to Jesus and my affection for Jesus. That's the truth. If we are honest with ourselves, this is the truth. Fundamentally, we live in a posture of making our name great. This is our fundamental posture. Fundamentally, we want our life to be comfortable. We want my desires to be met, your desires to be, we want your needs to be met. Rather than being on mission for God and being shaped by the gospel, we are living for our own glory. So it's a it's a crisis of glory. <laughs> Why we are not on mission with Jesus is a question of glory. And here's the problem, right? We're going we're to think through this a little bit more. But here's the problem. When I raise my significance and my glory above God, right? when, I, when I begin to treasure my comfort and elevate anything else above God, I lose my significance. The very thing I'm looking for, I lose it completely. Right? When, when I raise my glory above God, I lose my glory. I become irrelevant and insignificant. I lose meaning and purpose in life. If I think I'm gaining my life, my friend, in the end, I'm losing my life. So what we glory what we glory becomes our ultimate mission in life. You tracking me? What we glory. Uh, I've seen this movie before. I don't know if you've watched this. It's uh, George Clooney's movie, Up in the Air. I don't know if you've seen that. It's a fascinating movie. This guy, he, he, he's played this, plays this character, Ryan Bingham. And all his life, this is his dream, right? For, for this character, Ryan Bingham, his dream is to uh, achieve a particular status in terms of miles, right? in terms of travel. He, his job is to travel everywhere. He travels all these places because of his job and his mission is to have 10 million miles. And only few people in history have accomplished that right? in the movie. His, his mission is to have 10 million miles. He needs to collect all these points. He is focused. He, he plans how, how, what kind of airline to fly, how many delays will be there. Everything is planned out. Right? Everything is about points, where he eats, where he shops, everything is about achieving this goal of 10 million miles. And he's having a conversation with his friend and his friend asks, but that's just a number. 
Emily Mike is just a number. What? But he says, no, it's not just a number. It's a status. Right? You get a lifetime executive status. In the movie, he says, you get to meet the chief pilot. And, and your name is written on the side of the airplane. <laughs> so all his, the movie, all his life, he's living for that. Right? He's living for And finally, he achieves it. At the end of the movie, he achieves it. He's the youngest person alive to get to 10 million miles. And he, and he meets the chief pilot and he tells the chief pilot, I've been waiting, I've been dreaming about this moment all my life. I've been dreaming about this moment of having a conversation with you. All my life, I've been thinking about this moment. So the pilot asks him, so what do you want to ask? He says, I don't know. <laughs> I've forgotten. <laughs> so they gave him this platinum card and he's holding this card. And he's all alone in the flight. He's all alone. He's got the miles, he's got the status, he's got the num his name on the side of the airplane, but he's sitting all alone. He doesn't have anybody to enjoy it with. He, he's, all, he's empty and he is sad. And my friend, that is a picture of eternal destiny for people who are all about themselves. You see, hell, when we talk about hell, hell is all these things. But hell in reality is a picture. You say, I want to live for myself in this world. God is going to give it to us. He says, yes, you want to live for yourself. You're welcome to live for yourself all eternity. And that is the saddest thing that can happen for anyone. So my friend, the root of your mission is glory. What do you glory? What do you glory? The second thing is the result of mission is joy. The result of mission is joy. The result of a gospel-shaped mission, when the gospel shapes my mission, it results in joy. Look at verse 13. Verse 13, but now I'm coming to you, Jesus says, and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. The byproduct of a, the result of a gospel-shaped mission is joy. It is Jesus' joy itself. His joy. And my friend, this is the corollary to this. The, the lack of joy in your life is because of a lack of mission. The reason why we get bored and frustrated and we are upset and angry and we don't experience joy. And if we experience joy, it's fleeting. is because we lack a sense of mission. So this idea of joy and mission are linked. If mission is not rooted in the glory of Christ, it is going to be rooted in your glory. Right? It's going to be rooted in your comfort and your life. And the result, if, the, if a gospel-shaped mission results in tremendous joy, the result of a mission for yourself, living for yourself and for your glory, is going to result always in emptiness and a sense of worthlessness. And we see this all throughout the world. Your glory, my friend, when you achieve it, your glory can never satisfy your soul. It's going to leave you worthless and insignificant. And we are all after that. We think somehow if I get to that or whatever that is, if I achieve this, somehow it will make me feel glorious. It will not. And, and Classic example is all the celebrities in the world. 
You, you look at them, right? They have the fame. They have all the sex they want. They have money and power and glory. Everything that you and I are looking for. They have everything. But they're also the group that is most suicidal, most depressed, most anxious, most lonely, most addicted to things and lack of meaning. Sometimes we think, right, we, we keep thinking this, if I, if I get this right, if I get married, if I get this position, if I get this job, if I get this money, if I build this house, if I move to another country, right, I will somehow find joy. No, my friend. We live all our lives for this. And in the moment you might experience something, in the moment you might experience pleasure, in the moment you might experience success, but it is fleeting. And, and this is a problem. In all the urban centers in the world, this is a problem. People who are professionals, who are educated, who are driven, especially in Delhi, all of you, this is a problem for us. And you know what the result of this problem is? Delhi is one of the highest, almost 45% of professionals in Delhi are clinically depressed, they're anxious. Right? I mean, this is the status. We think somehow money and career is going to give me your... It is not. It is going to rob the life out of you. I'm not saying don't work. What is driving you? What is your mission? What are your glory? My friends, when you live for yourself, you're going to resent, resent. Oh, you're going to resent everything that will come between you and your glory. You're going to resent it. When you live for your glory, when you look for your comfort and your desire, if that's the focus, you're going to lead a life of compromise. You wonder why you compromise in life? Why it's easy to compromise? Because somehow in my mind, oh, if I'm living for my comfort and my pleasure, holiness is a threat to it. I don't want to be holy. Why? Because it is coming in between me and my glory, me and my pleasure. So I'm happy to compromise that. That's okay. Being generous and sacrificial is a problem for me. Why? Because it comes in between me and my desire to have money or wealth or comfort or status. So it's okay if I'm not generous. Let's think about this. Right? Let's think about it later. Sacrifice. Uh, let's think about it later. Serving others comes in the way of my independence. If my independence is what I want, I don't want to be serving other people. I do it when I can. All I'm living for is my happiness and my comfort and my freedom and my glory. My friend, that will leave us sad. We will not have anything to live for, nothing to die for, nothing to sacrifice that's greater than me. All the sacrifice and all the thing is for me. My friend, that, that is nothing. And in the process, you may gain independence and freedom, but you will lose joy and intimacy. In the process, you will gain pleasure and comfort, but you will not have satisfaction and rest. In the process, you will gain the whole world, but you will lose your soul. But on the other hand, when we, when we are, oh, when we are captured by the mission of Jesus, you will experience joy. You will experience his joy, which is unlimited. It is spontaneous. It is deep and it's powerful. It is a joy that will flood your heart. It is the same joy that was in Jesus. 
Oh, that when he had to face the wrath of God and die on the cross, the sense of mission, oh, when he was about to do that, when he thought about his mission, it gave him so much joy. Hebrews 12, 2 says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners. It, it, that same joy. Because he was on a sense of mission. When you are on mission with Jesus, you are able to endure all shame and ridicule and rejection and opposition. Even in the midst of your struggles, even when people think you are a loser. Oh, you have courage and grace. You have poise in life. You have tremendous confidence and joy in the midst of trials and struggles. What is your mission in life? What are you about? What do you glory in life? If it is anything other than the glory of Jesus, if it is anything other than the glory of Christ, my friend, you might experience a lot of temporal things in this world, but one thing you will not enjoy is joy. I was reading about Eric Little. Eric Little is a Olympic sprinter in the movie Chariots of Fire. I don't know if you've read it. It's a, it's a beautiful biography of uh, Eric Little. And this is what he says. And he's an Olympic runner for Great Britain several decades back. He says, it has been a wonderful experience to compete in the Olympic Games and to bring home a medal. But since I've been a young lad, I have had my eyes on a different prize. I've had my eyes on a different prize. And he says, I believe God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. Oh, my friend, God is calling you. We are not talking about quitting everything and becoming a pastor. That is not what we're talking about. God is calling you with unique gifts. He's calling you to these unique places in the city. Every time we gather, we hear his word. We go back to being a teacher, to being a doctor, a nurse, a lawyer, a professional, a student, working in the social. Wherever he's called you, my friend, you are an ambassador for him. And when you do his work with a sense of mission, there is joy. Oh, there might be struggles, there might be trials, there might be disappointment, but you have joy because you have a sense of mission. And when you choose and decide things on life, you are driven by the mission of Jesus. You are not oscillating, you are not here and there, tossed to and fro. You have a sense of mission. My friend, I, do, do you have this joy flooding your heart? Do you have the sense of mission? Are you living for something larger and greater than yourself? And lastly, the response to mission is obedience. The response to mission is obedience. So the question is, how do I obey? How do I respond? How do I show those obedience? What does that mean? I'm going to quickly tell you four ways to do it, right? One, our response to mission starts with beholding God's glory. My friend, that, that is the response. How can you be on mission for God? You behold His glory. That is the one that's going to help you be on mission. Not me telling you. If the, if the glory of Jesus, if what He did on the cross for you, 
Oh, if, if a sacrifice, what Jesus did for each one of us, if that doesn't motivate us, nothing is going to motivate us. Are you tracking? Nothing. If that doesn't make me want to live a life of holiness, nothing will. If that doesn't make me want to be generous in life, nothing will. How can you get on a mission? How can I respond? You behold his glory. Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah goes into the temple on Sabbath and he's beginning to worship God and he sees this vision. And he sees this, he sees God high and lifted, glorious and majestic. And as he behold his glory, he, he, he sees that he is sinful. He immediately recognizes he has he's a man of unclean lips. He sees his own flaws and sins. And what does God do? God commands an angel to take a a burning coal from the altar and place it on his mouth and immediately he's cleansed and he's forgiven, pointing to the work of Christ. He's cleansed, he's forgiven, he's no longer full of self-pity and fear and all these things, self-hatred. But what happens next is very interesting. There's something, there's a renewal that happens within him. There is a cleansing, there's a forgiveness. He understands what God has done for him. What happens next is interesting. God says to him, I have a job for someone. I have a mission for someone to share my word to a people group. Who will go? Isaiah, Isaiah didn't say, let me think about this for a couple of days. Isaiah didn't say, I need to pray about this to make sure this is God's will for me. Isaiah didn't say, let me check with my parents. No, my friend, when he encountered the glory of God, and he understood his own sin and he understood the provision of Jesus to take away his sin and to forgive him. Immediately when he senses the mission, he says, here am I, send me. That is, that is the, when you behold his glory, this is the response. You are instantly changed, instantly on mission. The gospel motivates, the gospel motivates. Oh, the gospel motivates, the gospel shapes me. The gospel renews me internally, but it externally sends me on mission. Secondly, our response, one is to behold the glory of God. Our response is to share about the glory of Christ. To share, verse 14. Jesus says, I have given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Jesus does not give you a general mission. Just go do some good things and help people. That is not Jesus' mission. Jesus gives us a specific mission to share about the glory of Christ. We are called to open our mouth and share about the good news of Jesus. And my friend, if I'm too shy and too timid, if I'm too conscious, if I'm too sophisticated and too scared, I am not on mission. Oh, I'm not on mission. <clears throat> Have I really seen the glory of Christ? I'm forgetting the gospel. Maybe my glory is my reputation and how people will think of me and my sex. Maybe that is my glory. There's nothing called a secret Christian. There's nothing called a private faith. There's nothing called I'm a, I believe in my heart. There's nothing like that in scripture. You're on a mission. Oh, we are called. How do we respond? We respond by sharing about the glory of Christ. Third way, we respond by living for his glory. All my life, we live for his glory. Verse 10. Verse 10, it says, all of mine are yours. 
Jesus telling the Father, and yours are mine. I am glorified in them. But he's talking about us. Jesus glorified. When I lead my life in a way that honors Jesus and it is rooted in the gospel, Jesus is glorified. When the ambassador who comes into this country and they represent their own country and he lives in such a way that when we look at their life and what they're about and what their country is, he glorifies his own nation, his own country. He represents that. How I lead my life. Oh my friend, I want you to think about this. How I lead my life. How I react to disappointments. Right? How, how I react to trials and suffering. How I pursue holiness. How, how I hold on to convictions, but yet I'm humble and gracious. How I'm kind and gentle and generous and not judgmental and superior and rigid and legalistic. How the gospel shapes me. The only way to explain your life is to show that you are on mission. Oh, that's the way you are. Why are you so crazy? People are going to take advantage of you. Oh, people are going to, they're going to take advantage of all of you. The only reason you live the way you live, the only reason you're so sacrificial and generous and kind and you're putting others in front of you, the only reason is because you are on mission. You're on mission. That should be the only way to explain your life. When your colleagues, when your friends, when they look at your life, man, this guy, he's crazy. He is crazy. Not in an obnoxious way, not in a rude way, but they're not able to explain. Why? Because they know there's something else that's driving you. So response is to live for his glory. Lastly, our response is to sacrifice for his glory. To sacrifice for his glory. Verse 17, it says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, Jesus says, for their sake, for your sake and for my sake, for their sake, I consecrate myself that they may also be sanctified in the truth. And I'm going I'm to pick a certain angle in this word sanctify. Jesus sanctified himself for our sake. What does that mean? Jesus set, him, set himself apart for our sake. Oh, Jesus was willing to pay the cost for our redemption. Jesus was willing to set himself apart and sacrifice his own needs and his own desire. He was willing to sacrifice his glory and his power and what he could have for the sake of our needs. It cost him when he sanctified himself, when he set apart himself, it cost Jesus and he gave up everything. He emptied himself. He went even to the point of dying on the cross. Do you see what it cost Jesus to show God's glory? Jesus came to reveal the glory of the Father. Do you see what it cost him? The question is, what is it going to cost you? To reveal the glory of the Son. <coughs> is it okay if it costs you? Is, is it okay? Are you willing to let it cost you? Is it okay if you need to sacrifice? Is it, is it okay? Are you willing? <laughs> Are you willing to sacrifice your comfort? Are you willing to sacrifice your desire and your dreams? Your ambitions? Your passion? Are you willing to put it on the line for Jesus? 
Oh, you see what it cost Jesus. It cost a dreadful thing. What is it going to cost you? My friend, this is what, this is what we understand. When you give yourself for being on mission, you will, you will find Jesus and you will find yourself. If you live to save yourself, you will lose yourself. But for the, for the sake of Jesus, if you lose yourself, you will find you will find Jesus and not only Jesus, you will find joy, not only joy, you will find everything else. That be your life. My young friend, my young friend, even if you are in college or school, you're older, you're worked up. My friend, won't you, would you say, Jesus, Jesus, I've been living for my glory. I recognize, I recognize I've been living for my glory. Help me to behold your glory. Help me to live on mission for you. It is only 70 years, 80 years. I want to live on mission for you. I don't want anything to motivate me. I want the gospel to be so powerful in my heart that everything I do, I want it to be centered around that. Would you make that your prayer? Let's pray. Father, this morning we recognize, we recognize your word. We, we recognize our problem. We recognize our selfishness. We recognize our sin. Oh, we recognize the need for our glory. Father, this morning we come before you and say, Lord, forgive us. Oh, forgive us. Give us, I wasted my life. I, I've been wasting my time. I'm wasting my resources and my and my treasure and money. I'm wasting all these things for my glory. Lord, this morning, help me. Help me behold the glory of Jesus. Help me behold the beauty of the gospel. Let my heart be captured by you alone. Oh, may I live for you. May I build my life around the gospel for you. May I be on mission with you. Father, lead us. We need you. Help us. May this be our prayer. In Jesus' name. Amen.